News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Happy Father's Day. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call at one 877 That's also the number you can do to send us in a text. And we do have a couple of text messages that we can go through right now, Rick, if you have a couple minutes for me. Perfect. <laughs> uh, we'll start off with a question about plum trees. Um, uh, one of my plum trees has a gold colored jelly oozing. Could that be a virus or a bug? Should I think about removing this tree? Yeah, it's, if it's oozing from the, from this, from the main stem of the tree, then you have a virus in it. So it will slowly decline over the years. And then also with that virus, it can spread to other plum trees as well. So, um, so if it's oozing from there, if you want to, you can take some pictures and just send it to bring it to, take some pictures and bring it to the garden center. And um, and then just to make sure that we can see what it is. But um, if it's oozing sap, then, yeah, it has a virus in it. If it's a plum or a cherry and um, the tree will will finally come to its demise after a few years. But if it does, I would suggest if there's other ones, cherries or plums in the area, I suggest removing it so it doesn't spread. Okay. Um, we have a question here from Laureen in Edenwald. Uh, we used to have terrible troubles with swallows. This is going back to uh, your question for listeners Perfect. a little bit earlier. Um, getting on Calder with a stuck uh, or with a stick proved almost fateful when the nest fell on my head. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I almost had a concussion. Oh, no. <laughs> well, they're uh, mud, right? It's a big mud exactly. ball. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then, so about two years ago, we saw them building 20 nests along the yeah. soffits in a 25-foot area and dive-bombing us. Oh, no, these sound, this sounds they're, awful. No, they're, they're, I've seen some of the neighbors' houses down the way. There is like a lot of nests on their house, and I just don't want that to happen. Oh. So I've been, I want to keep on top of it. So yeah. this is good. So what do they do? Laureen says uh, they got jet spray on the on the water hose at the house, and it got yep. the nest down. No injuries, no concussions, and all the swallows <laughs> left. They say only about one or two ever came back. Easy peasy. There you go. <laughs> well, Perfect. I mean, we don't want to get concussions, so <laughs> that hose seems like it uh, might be helpful. Well, that might work because I got an area which is I can't reach with a ladder, so uh, I might have to get that. We get get a long hose and get up in the ladder as all I can, and use that jet stream to knock them down. That might work. That might, might be worth be awesome. a try. We've had a couple people texting us in some tips. We also had somebody saying that they were using, um, what was it, the contractor's tape to kind of distract okay. them and make them want to maybe not and, set up shop. And that the surveyor's think, tape. That surveyor's tape. And that made me think is, too, there's also, never even thought about that, we sell scare tape to keep off uh, birds off of uh, the hascaps and raspberries. And so that scare tape is reflective, so it moves in the wind, and the sun shining through it scares the birds away. So... Um, I, I'll try that too. Yeah, might as well. Perfect. <laughs> um, we have Angela waiting for us on the line here from Glen Harbor. Good morning, Angela. What's your question for Rick today? Okay, we have some mature junipers in the yard. We have um, uh, Rocky Mountain or Wichita Blue, Savin, yeah. and Calgary Carpet. And yeah. last winter, um, the deer came in and uh, they started eating them because they were starving. And mine too. So, pardon me? Mine too. They ate all mine. 
Yeah, so my question is, will they come back? Yeah, they'll come back. Uh, you need to fertilize them, especially during May and June, because that's when the junipers put on all their growth is in May and June, and mainly in June and up to the 15th of July. So if you haven't fertilized them yet, you need to fertilize them with a 30-10-10. Okay. okay. And if they're older plants, you're going to be using about probably at least an ice cream pail full. And if they're okay. really old plants, use two ice cream pails. And because the, you know, how juniper, especially the, the, the Scandi and the Calgary carpet and all that, they, they root themselves down, right? So mm-hmm. you need to, you need to spread the fertilizer out in a wide area wherever the branches are, because mm-hmm. there's all little roots coming down into the soil all through there. Unless you're on top of rock or something like that, then they won't do that. But, uh, if they're just on top of the dirt, they'll root down as the branches grow out and uh so you can get a lot more growth but you need to get on that right now and you stop okay. fertilizing july the 15th okay it's very important okay. because then the plants will get ready to shut down and okay. then what i did and then what i did for my low junipers is um when the, if i did get a bunch of snow and the deer come by i just took some snow fencing and i laid it flat on the ground threw some snow on top of it the edges you know and yeah. so it wouldn't blow away and that that kept the deer from from going through and getting the um, uh, getting the, the junipers. Okay, great. So 32-10-10. You want a high nitrogen and then you're going to want a, a small, if it's a small plant, four liters of water. If it's a bigger plant, if it's a huge plant, like a big uh, Wichita that's 12 feet tall, then you're going to use almost five gallons of water. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks, you're Angela. Welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. All right, we have Paul in Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. What's your question for Rick? Oh, it's weeding time. Weeding season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, I know uh, portulaca, it's taken me like five or six years to eliminate yeah. portulaca because you got to yep. just take that right out. Yep, exactly. What other what other weed is there that you can't hoe in? Like, I'm I'm just hoeing. I'm not picking the other ones. You just hoe them over and... Yep. Get rid of them that way. Is there a, is there another weed that I should be pulling out? Um, well, any weed. The only problem with some some weeds, if you, if you pull them out and leave them laying there, and if yep. they're in flower already, they'll still go to seed. Okay. Okay. Yep. And so that's that's the big thing is that if they're gone, to, if they're into flower already, you're best to pull them because the seed will just spread all over the place still, anyways. Yeah. Okay. Um. It's just like harvest, you know, you cut your, your, your let them dry out and, and, you know, doing alfalfa and that kind of stuff, let it dry out in the swath, right? Yeah. And that's what will happen with the seeds too. You lay it on top of the ground, they'll, the flower will go to seed and then they'll have enough energy to do that and then they'll still seed. So um, so make sure that you, you remove the flower, at least remove the flower, okay? Okay, but any of those little tiny ones that are just coming up, you can just hold them down? Almost. Most of them you can hold them down. Um, uh, there's some that spread by their root zone, so there's yep. there's no way you can, even if you hold them down, they'll still come back again. Yep. But uh, portulaca is the worst one. Which one's that? Portulaca is the worst oh, one. Oh, I know. Actually, like I said, when you hold, when you hold it, when you hoe it, you're actually making cuttings. Yeah. So. Yep. And every leaf will be a new plant. Every leaf will be a new plant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very okay. much. You've made my job great. much easier. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Thanks, Paul. Bye. Why is it that the weeds are always the easiest plants to grow? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just not fair. <laughs> well, I mean, the, look at the dandelions. The dandelion, yep. you can use every part of it to eat, right? So. Um, yeah, my grandma used to yeah. make uh, dandelion jam. 
jam and yeah, yeah people are making teas and, and all sorts lettuce, of stuff. using the leaves for, for lettuce and so if you can't if you can't beat them join them <laughs> why not we are yeah. going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more garden talk on 980 cjme and 650 ckom this is garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cjme i'm aaron mcnutt here with rick van Dyke from dutch growers and if you have any questions or want to get some tips from rick you can give us a call at one 877 332-8255. That's also the number to give us a text as well. Well, Rick. You know, we, we should talk about, you know, a good thing to do today. If, so, if yes. you're wondering what to do on Father's Day, you know, a good a good tradition to do is is go and go to your local favorite garden center, wherever that is, yep. and get a shrub or a tree and take your kids and go and, and or, or take, get the kids and, and mom and go grab dad and go grab a plant and go plant a tree. As a team. So Helping the environment and also helping beautify your yard or maybe making a privacy spot or whatever you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, planting a tree or a shrub or whatever, and it's a good legacy plant too. You can Your kids will always say, I remember I planted in 2021, I planted that tree for dad or helped dad plant that tree. It's so a cool way to, to spend your Father's Day, I think. There you go. Not a bad idea. Uh, it is a little bit cooler today than we were expecting. <laughs> uh, we were, okay. uh, we, we saw the frost. Was that, did I, did I see frost? Okay. In the second, second. <laughs> I got wood here. I got wood. I got wood. Uh-oh. I just knocked, I knocked up on wood. You knocked on all the wood. <laughs> Cause you said the F word. <laughs> I know. I just, I was looking at the forecast and all I could think to myself was, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was Aaron, 30 I, degrees I, a week ago <laughs> i think i'll blame this one maybe on you Aaron. that's you very probably the should. news and the weather you I know do. and so it's, you, you're you're give the bad news all the time Always. every day usually so <laughs> <laughs> you so, know what yeah. it's okay if you need somebody to blame i am technically the weather person <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was looking I was looking on the weather and I see way up north up north by Waska Sioux and that kind of stuff yep. they don't have a risk of frost but everywhere basically Saskatoon down to the south they're going to be around four degrees tonight Ugh. that's crazy I got to bring the plants so, in <laughs> well only if you're in a low lying yes. area if you you know if you're in a low lying area that you've had frost in other years so yeah. then those kind of areas you may want to do some some protection of some of your tomatoes and your cucumbers especially and you know your pumpkins and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but uh um but uh hopefully things let's, might be let's okay think, let's think let's think positive that it's yes. not gonna happen it's just a risk we'll be fine yep it's just a risk <laughs> but if you if you are an area that is susceptible to frost then you may want to take some precautions Perfect. Uh, looks like we have Jerry waiting for us on the line here, so we won't make them wait any longer. Uh, Jerry, what's your question for Rick this morning? Well, happy Father's Day, uh, Rick. I've got a question you. for you about curtail. Um, okay. You use that on your acreage, and I can't right. use it in yeah. town. I back a city park, and it's the only yeah. way I can take care of the dandelions in my yard, and I wonder why I can't go into your store and buy it. What's the problem with curtail? Uh, curtail is basically a, a, a agricultural um, um, product, and it can be only sold to farmers, right? It can't yeah, be sold exactly. To, is, it, so, so that's the only reason I, I I can't because for I for to use on a household lawn and that kind of stuff, it's not registered for that. So, I I can't I can't. Um, What's the damage, Rick? Like, what does it hurt? Does it is it hurt the bees? 
or what? Like I, I just I don't understand why it's such a it works so well, and we can't get it readily. Yeah, it, it's um, it's just a matter of of it's a concentrated form, and it hasn't. It basically bottom line with all those chemicals. The the you got to remember the when you're talking about household in insect insecticide herbicides all that kind of stuff. Um, they have to go through rigorous uh, research and everything else to 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 prove to Health Canada that it's safe to use in our in our homes. Okay, and so because the market for the retail part of that, especially when you got places like BC and Alberta and and Ontario, which totally outright banned us from selling it in garden centers. The market is too small for them to do hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of research to prove to Health Canada that we can put a label and put it on our shelves for retail consumption. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Jerry. Bye. All right. We have Kevin waiting for us on the line here. Good morning, Kevin. What's your question for Rick? Yes. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I've got a little orchard here in my backyard, and I've had uh, plum trees for approximately six years with a bunch of cherry trees in there and some apple trees. And the plum trees, they've bloomed about uh, four years, and I've never had any fruit on them. I just They're, they're two different uh, types. I can't remember the name of them, yeah. but they're two different. Are they, are they blo- both blooming at the exact same time? Yes, pretty much, yeah. One's a little lot more blooms than the other one, but... Uh, yeah. As long as as long as they're blooming the exact same time, that's the key, right? Now, the the one thing you can do um, to to actually make them uh, cross pollinating better is if you can, and they're hard to find. If you can just find a Prunus nagra, which is basically a wild plum tree, okay? Okay, yeah. And you and you can pl- plant that, and, and a lot of times it's the rootstock of of a regular plum tree. Okay, so when when the when the graft dies and you just got the roots going up, if you if you can keep that plum from the rootstock, which is Prunus nagra is the is the one they use mostly, is if you can plant that and keep it as a shrub and just let it bloom in the corner of the yard somewhere and have flowers, okay. you will have way more. And Rick Swatsky taught me that at the University of Saskatchewan, a technician who's done a lot of developing of, of fruit trees. He said right. that's one way if you want the hybrid plums to produce. Just have a wild plum in the yard somewhere as a shrub, so whatever, just as long as it blooms. You don't have to let it grow like a tree. Just as long okay. as it blooms, you'll have way more plums, like a lot more. Cool. Okay. Well, okay. that's okay. great. Yeah. And my cherry trees in there, I've got, I think I've got five different kinds that got them from university, but uh, now they all seem to be dying. And this year, two of the trees got about four cherries on them each, and that's that's all. There wasn't a whole bunch of blooms either. And I'm not sure why. But. This this last winter uh, was was brutal on a lot of plants. Uh, I've noticed a lot of plants, both even poplars from elders, from um, cedars, all, everything, all different types of species of plants took a real beating this year. And I think it has to do with plants didn't shut down enough quick enough last fall. Okay. And of course, we had, we had we had heat stress from last summer, and then yeah. also with the with the quick snowfall, the ground didn't freeze, and then we and then we had minus fifty with windshield factors, really cold, some almost yeah. record colds around Saskatchewan in the wintertime. and I think that that actually affected the plants, and it, uh, it it's just it was a the the stars were aligned the wrong okay. way for plants. Yeah. 
And I think that's okay. the only reason I can say that, that I've been having so many issues with plants, had so much dieback this year, is from that. Okay, sure. Okay, I'll check into this Prunus Nagro, you called it, eh? Prunus Nagra. Yeah. It's just a wild, okay. wild plum tree, that's all you want. Just, and just grow it as a shrub, just as long as it flowers. Just okay. keep, you have to keep it pruned, basically, right? Don't let it yeah. grow into a tree. Unless you have room, then let it grow into a tree. Okay. Yeah, I've got lots of room here, but yeah. Okay. All right, thanks, Kevin. Great. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye now. Uh, we have Morris in Saskatoon before we take a quick break here. Uh, good morning, Morris. What's your question for Rick? Yes, Rick. I've got a, a birch tree. It's called a black birch, I believe, that I imported from Alberta. Planted about six years ago. It's 40 feet tall. And uh, the bra- there's so many branches on it. When is it possible to prune some of those branches out? Birches and maples, you always prune in August and September. Those are the two months. Okay. Oh, okay. That's the perfect time. You can do all your pruning, even bigger branches, everything else. They'll heal up. But you do not want to prune birches and maples in the spring. And you do not want to prune them once you get in October. It's just they'll, they'll bleed the next spring again. Okay, so you want to prune prune them in in basically August September, and uh, fairly close to the trunk itself. And just leave the collar there. What's called the collar. Okay. Yeah. And so you don't want to that. you don't want to trim them right right tight. You want to leave a little bit of a collar, and you can come a little bit out on an angle so that you leave all that collar there. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for the info. You're Thanks, welcome. Morris. Have a good Father's Day. You too. You're welcome. You too. Right, bye bye. All right, we'll get to uh, one text really quickly here before we take uh, a quick break. Uh, this one is coming from Ashley in Weyburn. We planted shelter belts with lilac, poplar, and white and blue spruce. When should we yes. start fertilizing and with what? Okay, so fertilizing, if you've got a shelter belt, right? Mm-hmm. I like, I like uh, for my shelter belts around here, I just use the, the, the groundskeeper fertilizer, but I put it on in, in, in April or May. Okay. Uh, if you're putting it on now, you could put some on now as long as you can get the water to it, okay? Because if you do it in the early spring, you know you're going to get some rains, right? Yeah. We just don't know what we're going to get right now. So right now, if you wanted to, you could get a water-soluble fertilizer, like a 20-20-20 or 28-13-10, or there's a whole bunch of different ones, and you could take mix it in a big tank. Like okay. I would, for, for watering my, my plants, I have a 500-gallon water tank. And you could mix some water-soluble fertilizer in that water tank, and then go give them all a quick shot, you know, and they'd be uh, good of to water go. with the fruit, and then you're good to go if you want results right now because they're putting all the growth right now. That's why I like putting my fertilizer on every year early in the spring, or even I, if I'm I'm worried about, I told people that they worry about not having water and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. is put it on in March right on top of the snow. It, the fertilizer melts through the snow. And then it'll sit down there and encapsulate itself on top of the ground. When the snow melts, it takes the fertilizer down to the root zone. Perfect. We are going to take a quick break for news. Then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Happy Father's Day. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. Rick, we've had some people patiently waiting for us through the break, so we won't make them sit around too, too much longer. Uh, we start off in Saskatoon with Preston. Good morning, Preston. What's your question for Rick today? 
Hey, Rick, I actually have two questions today. My first one is I, I like to keep a very short uh, lawn, and I hear all the time that they say that you should be growing your lawn, you know, three, four inches long to get the roots. I'm just curious, once you grow your lawn and you let the roots get four inches long, does it not stay that long for the whole summer or the rest of its life? How does that work? Yeah, so basically what you're trying to do is the reason, the number one reason why you keep it long is you'll, you'll keep your, your actually, uh, two things. One, you'll, you'll be able to choke out weeds and you'll keep out insects and like ants and that kind of stuff out of your lawn a lot better. Okay. By keeping it longer. It just, the competition, the other, other weeds just can't keep up with it. Okay. But although number one is like this next week again, we're going to be up in the 30 degrees again. You keep your lawn short. It basically, it'll, it'll, it, the taller grass will actually shade the roots. And so when you cut your lawn short, it actually dries out your roots a lot quicker and the roots go under more stress. So that's why I keep, uh, when, especially when it's going to be 30 degrees out, I'll keep my lawn at least two and a half inches minimum long, okay? And your, your grass will, do, will be healthier. It'll be better for it for, this, for the summertime. And um, uh, now when it, when it comes to the fall, then I'll cut it down a little bit shorter so that it doesn't lodge, you know, it doesn't lay down flat and then go and moldy and everything else, right? But, um, and, but I still don't, I will be careful even in my acreage. You know, I have one spot where I know that the snow doesn't drift on there very good. It blows off. So I'll keep it a little bit longer in that area so it'll actually help protect the, protect the roots as well. Okay. Um, my, my other question is in regards to a greenhouse that I have. I have a section at the back. Uh, it's like maybe three feet in the corner. And it doesn't matter what I plant there, whether it's peppers, tomatoes, marijuana, they all seem, everything seems to die in that corner. Is there something I can do to fix that or do I need to just remove all that soil and replace it? Remove the soil and replace it. There's something going on, whether the pH of this, well, it could be, do a pH test first of all, okay, of that corner. It could be a strip of alkaline that's really a bad alkaline in that area. Uh, there could have been something, maybe you could have sprayed something on the soil that could have started, you know, been causing problems with the soil. I had that issue in greenhouses quite a bit. Uh, some people go in there with even Roundup inside the greenhouse, and then we have issues for a lot of years, okay, inside that greenhouse. So um, uh, so then, because just because it's a controlled environment, it just doesn't have the rains and everything else to leach it out. And so um, it depends on what happened in the past. But do a, if you want to just wait first, do a pH test and find out what the pH is and correct that that way. But I think the quickest way is just remove the soil and put some different soil there. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Preston. Okay. All right, we will jump over to Lorraine in Saskatoon. Good morning, Lorraine. What's your question for Rick today? Good morning. Um, I have three hydrangeas. I have one um, little lamb and two limelight. And they they all grew from the ground this year, not from the sticks. Is that normal for those three varieties? Not normal, but this last year, this last winter was not normal. Okay, good. So uh, the, I had a whole bunch myself did the same thing, but they're all coming back. So just yep. fertilize them, get lots of growth on them, then they'll they'll still flower nice this year. And then just make sure that you slow down the watering in September. So you want to get them ready for, for winter, okay? Leave those yep. flower heads on right until the fall. And then I like, uh, basically what I like doing is I cut my flower heads off once, they, once this, uh, just before the snow comes. 
just so that the weight of the snow doesn't flatten my plants, basically, but leave the stems high so that it catches as much snow to protect the plants as possible, okay? Okay. Wonderful. Good news. Thank you. Thanks, Lorraine. Okay. Yep. All right, we'll jump down to Les in Saskatoon. Good morning, Les. What's your question for Rick? Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Very good. Good, thanks. Happy Father's Day to you. Thank you. You too. So my first question is, I just bought a silver silk lilac at Dutch Growers. Yep. I'm getting ready to put it into the hole. They told me to treat the root ball with mics. Yep. Sprinkle some mics in the bottom, put some uh, peat moss or some uh, potting soil in the bottom as well. Yep. Then put the tree in, fill it back up with the topsoil. Do I need to put th- any uh, fertilizer in there? It recommends 30 10 10. You, you can, but I'd go only half strength for a new plant, okay? And, um, and so then just go whatever the recommendations, go half strength. And then with that new plant, only put, because uh, is, is it in a five-gallon pot? Was it in a bigger pot or a smaller pot? Uh, it's about 18 inches high by 18 round. Okay, so then uh, probably you could put in that size of a plant with 30-10-10, you could mix half strength with two liters of water, okay, with half strength. Okay, half strength. And the the, the biggest thing with mics, the biggest thing you have to use when you use a mic, it's a mycorrhizome, which is a bacteria, and it's a phosphorus-fixing bacteria. So it grabs phosphorus from the soil and makes the roots go like crazy, okay? It makes them grow quicker. So the number one thing you can't do is the, your second number, like you have 30, 10, 10. The 10 is good. You, that second number, you can't be higher than 15. Otherwise, it tends to overdose the, the, the bacteria, the phosphorus-fixing bacteria. So the second number in your fertilizer is phosphorus. Phosphorus can't be any more than 15. So that's the key. Okay. So maybe so I can't, should not so worry can't about use fertilizing 20. it this year and just do it next year? Oh, you, you, you can give it some fertilizer because a lot of times there's not much nutrients left in that root ball. So just give it a, like, that's why I want to go half strength, though. I don't want to give it a high, that 30 is pretty pretty strong. So if I go half strength, I'll be fine. So if I throw in one stick of 30 10, 10 with two liters of water and then put that on it? Well, it'll, it'll tell you on the instructions so many mils per liter of water. Like, let's say it tells you to go three mils per liter of water. You're going to okay. go a mil and a half per liter of water rather than, okay? Okay. So there'll be, there'll be a little cup inside your 30 10, 10 with a little measuring cup. So just put half the strength of what it says on the container. Okay, perfect. Now, my okay. next question I live in Grandora, and I'm wondering what kind of apple trees I should plant at my place that will have a better chance to live. Okay, so in some areas around Grandora, there's a lot of bush, right? Are you in the bush or you're wide open? I'm wide open. Wide open? Probably one that would be best for you is one called Prairie Sensation and another one called Goodland. Goodland? Yeah, and Prairie Sensation. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Thank Thanks, you very Liz. much, Mr. Van Dubbin. Thank you. Have yourself a You're good welcome. day. You too. you too. Bye-bye. All right. We are going to take a quick break. Then we'll be back to answer more of your questions here on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke on Father's Day. Any big plans, Rick? Uh, no, uh, today my, the kids are coming over, um, later on today and 
Yesterday I was all day on the yard, basically doing some landscaping, leveling out dirt, moving dirt around, and uh, and so um, I may do a bit of that, or, or we may just go out for a little boat ride this afternoon. I'm not sure yet. A relaxing see day. Is. See how the sun is. Exactly. See how the yeah. day shapes up. <laughs> see how the day shapes up. We have a few text messages that we can get through uh, for yeah. the next couple minutes here. Uh, this one coming. What I wanted to say oh, real yeah. quick here first, though, is that uh, for Regina area, okay. Next next week is basically the June 25th. It's the end of June next week already. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Went fast. June 25th, 26th, 27th is uh, Household Hazardous Waste Days, okay, in, in Regina. So uh, any, any of your old chemicals that may have froze that are no good or, you know, you got some even some household cleaners and that kind of stuff, anything that's hazardous, you can get rid of them at uh, the Hazardous Waste Drop-Off Site in Regina is 2400 sixth avenue so enter off sixth avenue from broad street using the westbound lane so that's next uh friday saturday sunday friday from four to seven saturday from nine to four and sunday from 9 a.m to 4 p.m so next weekend yeah and if you've been uh, you know cleaning out the shed or the the yep. greenhouse in the last little bit here it's perfect timing <laughs> some old fertilizers or something like that that got wet and you can't use you can bring them there perfect um, we're going to head to Mooseman now. This is uh, from Judy. What can a person do about night crawlers in the lawn? Bottom line for night crawlers, um, there's no chemicals that you can really use that will work that well. Uh, the the, the, the uh, nematodes don't work on night crawlers. They need a little the biological part of it. Okay. So the best way to do it actually is to um, have a bird bath in your yard. Oh, because you put a bird bath in your yard, especially you put them there first thing in the spring, is that you will get robins will come to your yard, and the robins are a great way to get rid of night crawlers. They just work their way at those things like crazy. They love them. So just uh, have a one or two bird baths around, and the birds will come to your yard, and then it'll take care of a lot of those insects, and not just the night crawlers. All the songbirds, they'll go after all the aphids in your yard and everything. I've in my acreage, other acreage, I didn't, for 10 years, last 10 years, we didn't use a chemical in the yard at all. We just had some water features, and the birds came to the yard like crazy, and they took they they, they equalized everything out, right? Yeah. So, um, and it worked really well. And they, they're nice to have around. They look nice. They and, sound nice. Yep. Why yep. not? <laughs> and cheap. <laughs> and cheap. Yeah. Bird um, bath is easy. We have a question from Susan. Uh, we have a mature maple that has no leaves other than the very tips of the branches. Is this caused by the type of fall that we had last year? We've yeah. we have others in the yard that seem to be okay, but this one is pretty close to the eaves troughs. Yeah, so just a matter of it didn't shut down at time. I bet you, I'm pretty much sure that the plants froze with their leaves on last year. Yeah. They didn't turn color; they stayed green and froze, froze the leaves off, and then you lose all the tips. Um, a lot of times, in the, uh, if it's a more mature maple, it'll send out new, uh, the main trunk will be fine, and then it'll send out new uh, st uh, leaves out of the main trunk. Um, and some cases, it just killed them right down to nothing. So it all you'll just have to watch and, and see what happens. And then prune. For maples, you prune in August, September, and then just prune out all the dead wood then. All right. Um, this one coming from Rhonda in Merrifield. Just having an issue with petunias we've grown from seeds. The leaves continue to get bigger and grow well, but no buds are showing. Okay, so no buds are showing. Um, 
basically try your try fertilizing it so you want but use more of a not a high first number not a high nitrogen okay go more go more with your more higher phosphorus and and that might be able to spur them on to to be a little bit better in in putting on the blooms and sometimes just giving if you get a lot of vegetated growth sometimes you can just give them a little bit of a pinch at the end okay that'll that'll stop them from growing really long and actually start doing their start putting on flowers and that kind of stuff as well all right uh we have a call coming in now from judy in assiniboia good morning judy what's your question for rick today i have an apple tree that's about 25 years old and the bark came off about a almost a foot long and about three inches wide and it seems as though the leaves are not as uh not as uh, a live perky as the other ones yeah, on the other need, branch. Yeah, it needs that bark to produce moisture, to produce sap up to the top of the tree. So can you see the wood on the inside of the bark then, the, the raw wood from the core of the tree? Uh, yes. Yeah, so what I would do then is I would take some, get, get a hold of some pruning paint, which is an aerosol can, and it's and you can spray that on and protect that wood, Okay. And hopefully, hopefully get the tree to heal over, and then take it, be able to get sap from the other side of the of the bark of the of the trunk, and be able to supply that. But you don't want that wood to rot in there, because then that'll just make it worse. So I would I would definitely get some. It's called pruning paint, and it's an aerosol can, and then you just spray it on there, and just uh, and then just just to protect it, protect what's that wood from paint, rotting. What's the paint called? Pruning paint. Prune, pruning paint. Pr- pruning paint. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Judy. Have a good day. Bye. You too. All right. We'll jump back to the text line here. Um, this is a question about, uh, looks like roses. Can you tell me when and how to transplant sprouts coming up from a rose bush about two to three feet from the mother plant? Yeah. Um, so it depends on the type of rose, but most roses you like to do that when the plant is dormant. Okay. Okay. If you do it when like this week, it's going to be 30 degree, they mm-hmm. won't, 30 degrees out, they won't make it at all. It'll be done. Uh, because you're going to basically sever that root. There's probably a root that comes off the mother plant. So it's like a umbil- umbilical cord, right? Okay. You cut the umbilical cord off, you you know, it's not going to get enough, uh, enough um, saps and that to keep the, the little, the little sucker uh, alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you do it in in the early spring, and then you can then that little when you once you cut that umbilical cord off, it'll sprout new roots out when it's when it's more dormant and just starting to leaf. Okay. Then then it has time to recuperate because it's cooler. But right now when it's so hot, it, it just won't have a chance. A bit late in the season. Yep. Um, we have a question here from Rosanda in the Estevan area. We planted three apple trees last year, and this year we didn't get a single bloom. They are doing good, though. Is there something that we should have done to help? No, it's just the the way the way the way the the winter was and everything else. To hit, there's a lot of issues. There wasn't as much fruit on a lot of the trees. Even some of the the frost got some of the buds that we had some warm weather and then cool weather. And so it just uh, what you can do right now, if you want, if uh, just fertilize with something like a, a fifteen thirty fifteen. Okay. So high second number. Uh, or even just using um, uh, this, uh, what I like, even using just al- the alfalfa pellet tea. Yeah. Pour that around there because then you get all the calcium, you get the boron, magnesium, you get all the other nutrients as well. And uh, that'll help the tree out a lot as well. And then it'll, 
produce a better crop next year. All right. And that brings us to the end of the show for the week. Uh, lots of great questions today and some good tips to help Rick out too. That doesn't always happen every week. And now I can, <laughs> I can, I can, I can go to, go to war against my, uh, my barn swallows from nest, <laughs> let them nest in the neighbor's house. So. You'll have to keep right. us up to date on how, uh, or up to date on how the battle goes. <laughs> yeah. Now it'd be a battle to my neighbors. They'd be mad at me for saying that I want them to be on their house, not mine. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> You've been listening to Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.